So good to be with you this morning. We are in Galatians, uh, starting out there. In 1983, there was a coup in the Caribbean island of Grenada. You may remember this. Cuban-backed communists overthrew the government and installed a dictatorship, and martial rule ensued. People disappeared and were feared dead. President Reagan then quickly deployed a military rescue team who struck in the middle of the night on the island. And within a day of deployment, the island was free again. Well, I want to tell you that there was another type of coup that occurred in the first century church. These folks called Judaizers. Now, whenever you hear that, that means the Jewish believers. Believers, but they were Jewish. The Judaizers, the Jewish believers, had invaded Galatian churches and stole away the freedom that they had in Christ by means of an ugly word we call legalism. Have you ever heard of that word? Well, that's where they were. They denied Paul's clear teaching that salvation was through grace alone, by simple faith alone, in Jesus alone. They also denied Paul's apostleship and specifically taught this from Acts 15.1, and I quote, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. Unfortunately, many Galatian believers were confused and began to listen to and believe these false teachers. These Gentile believers in Galatia submitted to a number of unnecessary laws and rules and regulations trying to win God's approval. So Paul needed to come to their rescue. Well, why Paul? Well, he had been on a missionary journey already. He was the great church planter. He had been there, and just a short time later, these churches are in this mess. So Paul comes to their rescue. And his strike force was not a United States military operation. His strike force was a six-chapter defense of God's grace that we now today call the book of Galatians. So today we begin our journey through this letter. Uh, Many scholars have called this letter, this book of Galatians, the Magna Carta of Christianity. It's even been called a rough draft of the amazing book of Romans that Paul later wrote. It not only silenced those Judaizers, But it also defined, I believe, once and for all, exactly, just exactly what Christianity is. And I want you to think about that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we ask today that as we begin this journey, you would show us what true freedom is. You would show us what it means to follow you. You would show us what it truly is to receive grace to receive faith that you give us to follow you. And we're grateful for our opportunity today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, let me just say this, folks. We were born to be free. Did you know that? Say that with me. We were born to be free. Thank you. I got an amen. I begin to wonder if this church ever does an amen. That's okay. Interrupt me anytime. As long as you're not running down the aisle to tackle me. But anytime you want to say amen or go like this or say praise Jesus, I'm okay with that. 
but you don't get to come up here and do the sermon. I'm doing that, okay? Yeah. Amen. Let's begin our journey thinking about the way uh, to the gospel, the, the free gospel, what God has given us. Here's a big idea I want you to think about today. Maybe you could think about this, jot it down. Our source of salvation is resurrected Jesus. Our source of salvation is resurrected Jesus. Now, that's about all the background I'm going to give you. If you came in today, you got your compass uh, bulletin and inside, there's a, a very practical, brief summary of Galatians. That is not a big scholarly journal. It's something for you to study and maybe prompt you to study even more. And I just wanted you to, to take a look at that. If you are um, online, it should be there with your sermon notes. You should be able to click and get that. So let's jump in. The first five... Uh, verses today in Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, here it comes, to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And in today's vernacular, Paul dropped the mic. Boom. Jumped right in. Different than other letters and epistles that he wrote, he jumps right in. So let's look at this first verse, a little background, and just think about it. Oftentimes, we don't read the greeting. We just, we kind of read it, but we go right on. But there's a lot, it's God's word. There's a lot of stuff there. And we see Paul. We see the name Paul. The name Paul on an epistle is like the name Mozart on a musical score or the name Rembrandt on a beautiful painting. Paul was the church's greatest thinker. The, the church's greatest missionary, apologist, theologian, and enthusiast. You're not sure about that? Just read a bunch of the New Testament and I think you'll see it. What an amazing thing for us to have uh, this God-breathed letter, God working through Paul to give to us this Galatians epistle. Now on the way to Galatia before, you'll remember Paul had an experience on the Damascus Road. You can find his conversion experience and what happened after that. He was named Saul at that time in Acts chapter 9 and following. You can get some background there if you would like. But at some point along the way, Paul dropped the name Saul. He was Saul of Tarsus, and now he is Paul. And seeing his name at the beginning of this letter reminded the readers of an extraordinary Jew. He was a Jew of Jews. He spoke like a Roman. He reasoned like a Greek. They were reminded when they saw Paul of this fearless follower of Christ who had come in to Pisidian Antioch, to Iconium, to Lystra, to Derby, city after city. This great missionary was coming and he preached, folks. And let me tell you something about preaching. There better be some passion to preaching. There better be some persuasion to preaching. There better be some power in preaching. And Paul did that. Boy, did he ever. He turned those cities 
upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the first word. Should we move on? Don't worry, we're not going to do each word like that. We'll be here all day. But the next thing I want you to see is a, is a condition or a title that Paul puts to this letter. Do you see it? Apostle. By the addition of the title Apostle at the beginning, the very beginning of this letter, Paul claims something. He claims to be one who's divinely commissioned to preach the gospel and one who's authorized to plant Christianity. It was so new back then to go and on these journeys and plant, plant, plant. You thought church planting was a new deal, didn't you? No, it was around all the way back then. And he says he's the apostle. He's the commissioned one. The word apostle is an interesting word. It's a translation for apostolos, which just means this, from and to send. That's it, from to send. Well, what does that mean? I think it refers to something here. It refers to the act of sending someone on a commission to represent the sender. I think our best English word might be ambassador. We could think of it like this. The word apostle, as Paul uses it here, refers to an appointed representative with an official status who is provided with the credentials of his office. That's a lot to say about that. Why? Read your Galatians summary. You'll see not only where the church is in trouble, but some of them were wanting to fight with this guy who claimed to be an apostle. Well, let's move to the qualifications, the rest of verse 1. We, we see that he says he's an apostle, and he qualifies it, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So here in verse two, Paul, in verse one, the end of verse one, Paul is squelching any controversy about his apostleship by qualifying his calling with both a negative and a positive case. I think there's a negative and a positive there. Let's look at the negative case first. Did you catch it? Not from men or by man. What does that mean? Simply this: not from a human source. Did he receive this? And not facilitated by any human walking on the planet like Peter or James or anyone else. So that's the negative one. But I'm going to hurriedly, hurriedly get to the positive one. Did you catch the end of the verse? He says this phrase, by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. You see, this is even more compelling. Paul's qualification came, it's not just that it didn't come from man or any certain man, but it comes from Jesus and the Father. Notice the unity and order there. Did you catch it in that phrase? Interesting. Paul's making two points here. One, there's no distinction between the calling of, from Jesus Christ and the Father. The unity is there. And secondly, there is an essential and eternal, eternal unity between the Father and the Son. This, I believe, helped to refute another false teaching that was coming from a different group. They were called the Arians. And they were beginning to teach, and it would come to a head at the Council of Nicaea. It would come to a head, what, what is this Jesus? Because they were teaching that he wasn't deity. And so Paul, he's just coming out swinging and slashing, and here we go. Interesting. Paul begins right away dealing with the question that they had then. And I believe it is a question, surely, that we have today. 
Have you ever run into it as you're out and about? The question is this, who is Jesus Christ? Now you may know, but you run into people who don't know. And they may even ask the question, and I've been asked the question, have you ever been asked the question, who is this Jesus you're talking about? Who is Jesus Christ? Well, he gives the answer, I think. Look at that last phrase. Who raised him, being Jesus, from the dead. Remember, our source of salvation is resurrected Jesus well, let's move on. Let's not stay in verse 1 the whole day. Let's move on to verse 2. And we, I think we see two contrasts of people. We see free people and we see not free people. I know that's not good English, but that's how I wanted to say it. Not free people. Free and not free. We see first in verse 2, he, he states, All the brothers who are with me. These are the free people. These are the travelers with Paul. Possibly it's Barnabas and others from Antioch. Nevertheless, there's a group that's there. And, and it says, Paul states here, that they're brothers. What does that mean? They're sons of God. They're followers of the way. They're believers. And so this group of brothers who are, are with him, are traveling with him, are brothers. But more than that, they're endorsers of this letter that is being presented. Now I want you to think about something for a minute. A true brother or sister in Christ. Can you get a picture of somebody in your head? A true brother or sister in Christ. It's so much better than just a friend. Would you agree with that? Think about that for a minute. We have all kinds of friends, don't we? But that bro- someone's hugging over here. Okay, stop it. All right. These ladies were there. They were hugging. But think about that for a minute. A brother or sister in Christ, a true brother or sister in Christ who goes to battle with you who prays with you, who supports you, who's there, that is so much better than just a friend. And that's what he calls them, brothers who are with me. They were free as people who had been transformed by this free gospel. They were not bound up by legalism or certain rules and regulations of men. They were free. Well, we better look at the not free people. All of a sudden he says in verse 2, to the churches of Galatia. Now, you might read that and look at, well, finally, he just announces in the letter who this is to. But there's so much more than that. It's in, a, the, the, in the biblical language, the abruptness that is here, that he goes from verse 1 and 2, and he gets in the 2, and that's it, to the churches of Galatia. It's abrupt in the language. It's striking. You see, in Paul's other letters, if you'll go and look at them and study them, he always has a word of, uh, of commendation, for the churches that he's writing to, here he doesn't even address that. He calls them saints here. He's not even calling them saints here, although they were. They were believers. He's showing the seriousness of this defection or this diversion of them being influenced by false teaching of another gospel. Let us see the contrast today between free brothers and sisters and brothers and sisters who are not free. Let's move on to verse 3. There's two gospel terms for those that are being deceived. And we see it in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
a simple short verse but packed with so much. What, uh, what is grace? Well, let me tell you, the book of Galatians begins with grace and it ends with grace. The word means this, and you know it, the undeserved favor and blessings of God. The undeserved favor and blessings of God. That is what grace is. Did you know that God is perfect and we are imperfect? You see, we have rejected God. Over and over and over again, we have rejected God. We have rebelled from God. Anybody in here ever done that? I have. After being a believer, anybody done that? I have. We have our ups and downs. Listen, we are a people who have rejected God, who have rebelled against God, who have ignored and cursed and sinned against and disobeyed and denied and questioned God. If I could think of another word, I'd add it in there, but that's all I can think of right now. We have done that. Church, let us never arrive and think we have made it. You know who scares me? The Christian who says he or she's got it all together and everything is great and they can never share any struggle or any heartache or any difficulty or just even an aspiration of following God more closely. Those people scare me. I, lo I love the folks that know about grace, don't you? Maybe the penultimate verses that Paul wrote, we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Why? So that you, so that me, we won't do what? Brag about it, boast about it. God gives the grace. In fact, I believe God even gives us the simple faith that we need to accept the grace. Grace. There's a second gospel term, and it's peace. Boy, is that one that our world wants today. You know, there, people are going this way, and this way, and this way, and this way, in all the wrong directions, looking for peace. And it's right here. Listen closely. Peace follows grace. That's it. You can look for peace all day, but you will never find true peace unless you have experienced grace because peace follows grace. You, you can't have it without grace. It, what does it mean? It means to be joined with God, to be joined with others, to being confident, being secure in the love and care of God. Peace means being filled, being filled with what? Being filled with a sense of satisfaction. A satisfaction that only God can give. Let me ask you a question today. Do you got it? Do you have peace? If not, maybe you need to get in on this grace. It's amazing that he states this at the beginning. Grace to you and peace from God. There's the source. What is the source of these two gospel terms? It's a double blessing. Did you catch it? It's a single source, but a double blessing. It's God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, the biblical language, those, those are joined together with one preposition. I mean, you can't separate them. They go together right here. God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the source of grace and peace. Remember, our source of salvation is resurrected Jesus. Well, let's 
move on. Now we get to it. I've been waiting to get to verse 4 and 5. There's no greeting here. Verse 4 and 5 has got some great things for us to look at. Let's look at it. Let me read it one more time. So we're setting up with God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Who gave himself, verse 4, for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The first thing I see, I, I call this the free gospel. The first thing I see in this section is this. Christ gave himself for our sins. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that happened? Ha- have you recognized that in your life? Do you understand that? This gospel, this gospel that's full of grace, this free gospel not only saves us from the penalty of sin, so many people are just looking for that, but there's so much more. It saves us from the penalty of sin, but it also saves us from the power of sin. The greatest gift of all is Jesus, who died and rose again and paid the price for our sin. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And it's right there in the scripture. Christ gave himself for our sins. This is the gospel. Do you get this? Do you understand? But why? Why do this? Why sacrifice yourself for sin and sinners? It's right there in verse 4. To rescue us. To rescue us. You see, as in Paul's day, just like today, We live in a present evil age. Let's get it out of our mind that we are so burdened and and we are so persecuted. Guys, we're not. This present evil age is not something that's new. Paul writes about it way back in the first century. And every century after that and every decade after that, The evil age is present, and we live within it, and we need to be rescued. Our evil age, our world needs to be rescued. Well, what does that mean? It simply means it's a world that's ruled by Satan. Do you remember that? The prince of the air? Scripture talks about that. Here's the good thing. Have you read the end of the book? Have you read the end of the Bible? Satan does not win. God wins. Satan may be having his day today with certain people and in certain cultures, but guess what? God will win the day. It's a present evil age. Amen. Well, what about this present evil age? It's full of cruelty. It's full of tragedy. Have you experienced it? It's full of temptation. It's full of deception. And just like what was going on with these folks, we face that in our lives today. But the free gospel truly is God's rescue plan for us. And I want to ask you something this morning, and I want you to think about this today. Have you been rescued? Have you been rescued? Well, let's move on. Not only did Christ give himself for our sins, not yours, but mine, it's a present evil age, but something sometimes we might miss is this, according to To the will, you might want to underline that word, according to the will of our God and Father. 
You see, God willed this. Please don't miss the fact that it is this rescue plan is not our plan or idea. It's not ours. This rescue plan is simply and completely sovereign God's process and procedure of redemption. It's all him, and he sure didn't have to do it, did he? But yet he chose to love us and provide grace and mercy and come up with a plan for our sin to rescue us. He willed it. And let me just tell you something. Listen closely. There is no plan B. John 14, 6, the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Amen is right. How clear is that? How clear can that be for us to think about that? Please use that verse, John 14, 6, as your filter. When you filter things in the world or when you're visiting with someone, talking with someone, use that as your filter and remember, it's not my idea. I don't need to come up with an idea. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father. There is no salvation except through Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, Lamar, so what's the result of all this? Well, there it is. Look at it. Verse 5. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me just say something about glory. For the glory of God has become a catchphrase in our world today, our Christian world today. Are you aware of that? I think we need to be careful about flippantly throwing out to God's glory. To God's glory. Ending our prayer that way. For your glory, God. Amen. If you do that, I'm not saying you're flippant. I'm saying some people have been that way. Okay? It's, it's very important and serious for us to think about that. Jesus died. The result of his death, he died. And the result of his death right here we see, is the glory of God. It's not for anyone to be magnified. It's not for anyone to be smart. It's not for anyone to write a book, as good as it might be. It's not for anyone even to be pers persuasive or eloquent. It's simply for the glory of God to the glory of God. And he puts an amen on it, which means so be it. Be it. Or for you Mandalorian fans out there, I have spoken. I thought I'd get a laugh from a few. Some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> Just read the verse again in your Bible. It's okay. You don't have to know what that was. It's as if he's saying, for the glory of God, boom. So be it. No discussion needed. Let's be in agreement. So what's the glory of God? To give glory to God means we praise Him. That's an easy one part, but there's more to it than that. It means we praise Him. It means we recognize His importance. It goes beyond that. To give glory, the glory to God means we recognize His very nature, His attributes. You see it all throughout Scripture. This great God, creator of the universe, the God who loves us, the God of the Bible, it means all these things. It means we humans do not seek glory for ourselves, but give it all to him. We had a great night last night. 
Got to touch a lot of people. Got to stand a long time on hard pavement (laughs) and concrete, right? (laughs) I couldn't figure out why my watch basically popped off last night because I had my hand in a certain position and it just kind of got swollen. You know how that happens? We could take everything that happened last night and go, wow, aren't we good? Didn't we do great? But that would be wrong, wouldn't it? You see, giving the glory to God means we give it all to him, not us. As we contemplate who God is and and what he has done in Christ Jesus, we should fall on our knees, so to speak, fall on our knees in worship, thanksgiving, and praise. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you sent Christ to die for my sin that you provide me with grace and peace, that you devise the rescue plan. Thank you, God. I give you glory for that. I praise you for that. I give you thanksgiving and praise. Well, I'm going to close in this way today. I want you to think about something. Listen closely. Don't miss this. Don't start putting your things away. Listen closely. If we, us... Us humans, if we contributed in any way to this rescue plan, to this free gospel, or if we even rescued ourselves, or even if God had seen something in us hmm, deserving of rescue, then we could save ourselves. We could rescue ourselves. Let us never forget that there was nothing in us worth rescuing. Stay with me. We're all sinners. Is that not right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Perfect, holy, glorious God. We can't reach that. We all have sinned. That means no matter how much your mama loved you, you're still a sinner. We all have sinned. And we need to remember that. There, there, there's nothing worth rescuing except that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, that we might not perish, right? That we could believe in him, that eternity with him could be possible. Let's remember that. I I am so tired of hearing sermons that are warm and fuzzy all the time. Hello? Now, thank the Lord Once he saves us, his righteousness is imputed. His righteousness is put upon us. We have the opportunity of living in John chapter 10. What does it say? That abundant life. Life with God. But let's remember this. We contributed nothing to the rescue. And I would even say that Lamar wasn't worthy of rescue. But we're confronted with the biblical gospel. It's the free gospel That's what I call it, and I think it's clear. Salvation, first to last, is God's doing. It's his calling, it's his plan, it's his action, and it's his work. And it's ongoing, folks. Yes, we're saved. But salvation also is a process, isn't it? Anybody in here been been, uh, saved more than 30 years? Raise your hand. You can identify that time. Wow, look at that. 
It's still ongoing for us. God's still pruning us. God's still shaping us. God's still providing us with opportunities to impact our world. He's still doing that. And that free gospel continues from the moment of conversion and regeneration right on and on and on to the moment that we pass through this earth into eternity. Man, I've been thinking about that a lot, you guys. Yesterday was a tough morning. My dear friend, Clark Henderson, we had the memorial service. And I thought about the free gospel. And I thought about just that Tuesday before he died, being right on this stage leading worship, the gospel impacting Clark, even though he was, it was days from his death. That Wednesday night, him sitting in the chair at his church playing the guitar, it's, it's on the camera and it's on the internet, and he's saying, sharing uh, the word like he does, talking and singing the gospel being played out in his life, even a matter of days from his death. And I want to tell you, don't ever forget about the free gospel. And it's harder for those of us that have, the longer we have been saved, the farther we get from that regeneration moment, the easier it is for us to go, well, I wasn't so bad, was I? Oh, don't forget how bad we were. Even if you were a young child, don't forget we were sinners in need of a Savior. We were sheep that were lost. In fact, we were goats then. <laughs> We became sheep, but we, we, we had no purpose, we had no meaning, we had no direction, we had no eternity that would be glorious until the gospel impacted us. God in Jesus provides a rescue for sinners, and it is in stark contrast to what we will see in the churches of Galatia or any other false teaching or any other false salvation that we may want to chase today. It's a stark contrast to the free gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, willed by God the Father. So I want to ask two questions this morning. Have you been rescued? I'm not talking about what church you go to. I'm not talking about that you were baptized. I'm not talking about the family in which you grew up in. You, me, personally, have you been rescued by God? Secondly, if you have, do you give God all the glory? Tough to do. I'm going to pray here in just a moment. And if, if you're not sure that you could answer that question about being rescued, as I pray, I want you to, to focus in on God, the words I'm praying, and that you might consider a relationship with him that you might consider the fact that whether you're seated right in that chair today, whether you're watching online, for whatever reason, it's not an accident, but God is getting your attention and pulling you right to his side. Let's pray. God, we ask today that you would remind us of your gospel, of your grace and peace. No strings attached, nothing that we would do, but you give it to us, and we're grateful. And today, I want to pray for those who are not sure they've been rescued. 
God, help them to understand your word, your scripture, not my words, that, that they're in the same boat that I was in. All have sinned and missed the mark. And the wages, the penalties of sin is death, but your scripture tells us there's a free gift that comes from Jesus. And God's rescue plan was so amazing. In Romans 5, 8, it says that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God, for those who are considering this free gospel, for those who are concerned or wondering what it's all about, remind them of your word. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, is boss, master controller, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, believe the scripture, the Bible. We call on him and believe we shall be saved. Thank you, God, for the free gospel. And God, prick our hearts, those of us who have received it, to give you glory. In your name we pray, amen. I'm going to be down front. would love to visit with any of you that want to talk about that. Anytime we've got emails, addresses on the website, any, anytime you have anything that you're not sure about or a question about what it means, this, this Christian life following Jesus, we want to talk to you. We want to answer.